This is for you. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Yeah, this for my dogs from the east to the west side. Rock it brown and orange with me, baby. Let's fry. Represent the land. Let them know. Tell them here we go, brownies. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. All right, let's do it live on a beautiful Tuesday evening this time around. Welcome back in, everybody, to another episode of the Here We Go Brownies podcast. I'm Allie Heisong, coming at you from Northeast Ohio tonight. Joined with me, as always, my co-host out in beautiful Boise, Idaho, Dustin. Dustin, how are we doing? Well, got my Red Bull. I got my Bang Energy drink so I can stay awake. Um, I got in quite late last night. Uh, it was quite, you know, anytime I go to Ohio, it's always a trek. To get there, right? So uh, I'm, you know, I'm doing good. I got, I've had a couple energy drinks today, and uh, I'm doing fine. But Allie, what a, what a fun time! Like I got to, for me, that was kind of like a new experience, just to take in Southern Ohio in general. For those that don't know, Dustin and I were, uh, we were doing a little golf tournament uh, down in Beaver Creek for the Beaver Creek Browns backers. Uh, so thanks to Todd and Brian and Steve and all those guys that head that bad boy up. Uh, Dustin, I believe that was your first time in, in Southern Ohio. Yeah, I've only been to basically the Pro Football of Fame. That's kind of my Southern journey. Um, I flew into Columbus. And- Southern? Okay, no, you're saying that's the most South you've been. Okay. Yeah. Say, what the hell are you talking about? No, no, no. So here's the great thing about it was, you know, Columbus is the capital. So what was interesting to me is how big Columbus was. That area is a big, big city. Like it had the big city feel. Like it was a sprawl, like it seemed like a pretty big urban area. So I enjoyed kind of just learning more about Columbus. Uh, Todd and I actually went to the Capitol, uh, went and saw that. And I was like, wait, you don't have a dome on your Capitol. So I was like, there was no dome, like, like, you know, because like a lot of capitals have that. So and then to go down to Cincinnati and take all that in, it was fun. Like it was just kind of fun to and do all the history stuff, too. So. It yeah, was we cool. were. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. We, we made it down to uh, Beaver Creek. We played in a, a golf tournament. Uh, a lot of Browns alumni there. Eric Metcalf on our on our team, along with Ray Showdog Prisby. Uh, we did not win. We did not win. We didn't come well, close. We had fun. Uh, Kevin Mack, Hanford Dixon, Frank Minifield, Felix Wright. Uh, am I missing anybody? I think that was that was that. We got them all. Kevin Mack, yeah. Felix Wright. Yep. So it was a lot of fun hanging out with those guys. Absolute gentlemen. Uh, much better at golf than we are, but nonetheless, we had a great time. So thanks to those guys down there. Thanks for having us. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. It was so much fun. And by the way, if you're ever in the, the Beaver Creek Dayton area, head on over to Tootie's. It is a Browns bar there. Um, great food. Get the tie rolls. Uh, Crab Rangoon Pizza, quite good. So make sure you head on over there, support their business. Um, and they were very, very gracious in hosting uh, hosting us last week. Well, like I can I don't even know what day it is, but uh, nonetheless, a lot of fun. <laughs> and my liver is, you know, back to working condition. Yeah, me too. Um, the issue was I was trying to keep up with all of those guys, all of those former Browns players. And um, I don't know if you know this, but I am much smaller than they are. And <laughs> trying to keep up, <laughs> trying to keep up uh, in terms of alcohol consumption, which I don't, I'm not a huge drinker anyways, but. Correct. I will tell you this. I was feeling yeah, as, as like like Allie and I. We, I would say we're social light drinkers. Probably would be a good category, right? Like that's probably us. And I think my best part of it was 
you and I were crawling out Saturday morning and that the guys are like, let's go. Let's yeah, go. Yeah. Like, Saturday morning, Dustin and I, 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 we meet in the elevator and I look at him and I said, don't even talk to me. And <laughs> we go downstairs. And of course, Eric, Metcalf, he's in the gym working out. 7 doing, his hour, doing his hour and a half workout every morning. He didn't right? keep, like, keep up. So we went and had breakfast. I stuffed my face with some biscuits because I knew I needed some carbs. I needed something, but we survived. We survived. And by uh, the grace of God, we made it. But um, Dustin, a lot of fun. Uh, before we kick it off tonight, I just want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at Angelo's Pizza. If you're wondering what in the heck you should have for dinner, the answer for you is always Angelo's Pizza. Head on over to Lakewood to get your hands on the best pizza in Northeast Ohio. Angelo's does it right. They start out with a buttery crust and they do double layered toppings. It's great in the restaurant, great at home, and it's just as good the next day. Head on over to Angelo's today. Um, Dustin, last we spoke, uh, it, was, it was the big news of, of Baker Mayfield, the trade to Carolina for a conditional mm -hmm. fifth round pick can turn to a fourth round pick. I believe if he starts like about 75% of the games there in Carolina. So it is in our best interest Browns fans to root for his success down there. It can, yep. uh, it can be mutually beneficial. Um, last we spoke, you know, that trade had just happened. I believe it was that day. Yeah, uh, so. Really Broke on the day of the show, yeah. Yeah, broke on the day of the show. So, uh, you know, didn't give us a ton of time to prep on this. But I don't want to spend too much time on Baker um, because I, I, to those listening, I get it. Like, all right, let's move on. Um, but I think it's important that we, we do talk about it just a little bit here. Um, I do want to talk about some of our favorite Baker memories, some of the worst. Um, and then and I'll move off of it. We'll be done with it. But I think we'd be remiss not to. Uh, you can be... Sad that he's gone, but happy that he's got a new beginning. And same for the Cleveland Browns at right. the same time. Um, and I think that's that's kind of where we stand. We, we're rooting for him, right? Not week one, though. We are not rooting for him week one. Uh, but we're paying him in week one. <laughs> yeah, we are. Um, so we, we appreciate it. And I, I understand that you might be tuning in and saying, when are they going to move off of it? Uh, we only talked about it last week. We're going to talk about it here for the next you know, 10 minutes ago. Now we're going to be done. Uh, so just bear with us here as we, as we talk about this just a little bit more. Uh, and just to break it down for those of you that missed us last week, uh, Baker was traded to Carolina for a conditional fit that can turn into a fourth round pick. Um, Baker did shave off about three and a half million dollars of his salary to help facilitate that trade. Uh, Browns take on a, a good chunk of that salary in order to make that trade happen. Carolina's taken on, I believe, what is it? Five million. Browns are paying about 10 uh, to make it happen. And, you know, it's a clean slate for everybody. And uh, he does have incentives. Uh, he mm -hmm. can make that three and a half million back through incentives. Um, and, of course, it does benefit us if he does play well and he plays most of the season. Uh, we are looking at hopefully a fourth round pick. Um, so, yes, I know, I know, Chris, that Baker's old news. Um, but as I literally just mentioned, we are going to talk about it for about 10 minutes. So just bear with us for just a moment. Yep. And, and, you know, he had his press availability today, which I think yeah. a lot of people wanted to hear what he had to find. Uh, and I do want to talk about that just a little bit, just enough to kind of get through it and say that we did it. And then we'll be done. I promise you that we will be done. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. That's what we do on the show. We're just, I'm just messing with you. Um, it's all good. We appreciate having you on. Uh, but Dustin, you know, he had his press availability today. I thought it was pretty good. Um, really didn't say anything that was too hectic. Probably one of the most mature moments I've seen yeah. from Baker Mayfield ever. Like, I mean, very, it didn't, I don't want to say sound scripted, but it was very matter of fact. 
I'm moving on. I have no uh, ill will towards the Browns fans or the city. They treated me well. It's a great football town. He, he said all the right things. Like he didn't have any, I was like, wait, is this Baker Mayfield talking? Um, but it just, it was interesting that he was pretty subdued. I guess that's probably a good word. He was a little subdued in the way he came across it. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, go ahead, Ali, if you want to mention anything from the press availability. Yeah, well. one thing that stood out to me actually came from Panthers GM Scott uh, Fitterer. He says, I'm reading Cameron Justice here on Twitter. Uh, Thanks, Brown GM Andrew Barry for being absolutely awesome in the process of trading for Baker Mayfield. So the Panthers view the quarterback situation with Baker added to the roster as an open competition between Baker and Sam Darnold. Ultimately, I think Baker wins that job. I think he's far and away the better quarterback there. Um, But it is currently going to be a competition. I would anticipate week one, uh, your Cleveland Browns are going up against a Baker Mayfield-led Panthers team. Um, But you know, at the end of the day, like I said, this is kind of a clean slate for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as I say, some of the things that I pulled out of the interview today was one, uh, Sam Darnold called him immediately um, yeah. and walked welcomed him to uh, the Panthers uh, to kind of help him look for houses and stuff, which I thought that was pretty big of Sam to do that, you know, since it's an open quarterback. But again, you know, here's two guys that came out, I believe, of the same class, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, so they... they they, those guys know each other, right? Like when you come out at that, you're all trying to find a team from, you know, you're going through that whole draft process. Um, and then the fact that they asked him about the three million and change that he had to give up. And he said it was kind of unique, um, but he left that to his agents and the ones that kind of do that process because it's kind of unheard of for to give up $3 million in a guaranteed contract. That's just kind of an unheard of thing. So I thought those are kind of a couple nuggets I took from this. This is my favorite. And I'm just going to read the quote verbatim here from Baker Mayfield on if there's any animosity towards Cleveland. No, I'm extremely excited for this new start in Charlotte. Obviously, I think it's kind of known now, some familiar faces there. Uh, Some people that I know. um, Wait, am I reading the right thing? Yeah. Uh, Some people that I know uh, and a lot more to me. It's just an exciting time for myself and my family. Just this new chapter. No animosity towards Cleveland. Did good football town that gave me the first four years of my career. Thankful for those trials and tribulations. All the changes, a lot to learn and look back on and reflect. Just really focused on being a Carolina Panther and pumped up to do so. Um, good good press availability by him. Uh, I think it would have been pretty alarming if it wasn't. Um, <laughs> but, but it was one of his better like performances in front of a microphone. Because, you know, a lot of times he has a little bit of a chip on it. He didn't have any of that today. Like that well, was I hope not. I think it's, yeah. Yeah. I think it's timing. Um, let's let's just kind of go over uh, maybe top three Baker moments in, yeah. in Cleveland, and then we'll kind of move on here. But I'll, I'll let you kick it off, Dustin. Um, I think the three are probably similar. We all probably have a lot of the same favorite memories, but I'll kick it over to you. Uh, what's your first favorite memory? These are in no particular order. Well, you know, the one that I will always admire him for, and if I saw him, you know, in Cleveland or somewhere, and I would thank him for this. Browns have been through so much misery. It felt like somebody had popped a balloon the night that he did the special play where he catches it in the end zone against the Jets, right? Like, I think everybody felt that kind of pressure of the air pop and that losing culture had finally kicked away, right? Um, another one for me was him gutting out that third down play in that last game against Pittsburgh to get that first down to then run the clock out to get to the playoffs. Yeah. Probably 
uh, my second. Yeah, and then obviously the way he balled out in that playoff game. I mean, I, I mean, you can't take any of that away from him. Uh, how he came out there prepared, ready to win, focused, and just took it to our division rival. Which, by the way, it's hard to beat a team twice. You know, back to back weeks. So that is where I'll always give Baker a lot of credit for those three moments to me stand out like close your eyes and they'll always be there. These, these are the ones that stand out to me. Um, many similar, right? The Jets game, that Thursday night football game against the Jets that busted open the beer coolers for Browns fans after one of 15 and Owen 16, uh, which was just a, a sense of relief that came over. But to echo what you said, Dustin, that energy in the stadium, that energy just that was radiating through the TVs in my living room, um, <laughs> it felt like you were there when you weren't. And it brought hope to this team yeah. that hadn't had a win. So that's that's my first one. Um, that was like my 1A. Whenever I think of Baker Mayfield, that's what I think of. Um, 1B on that is the playoff win. Like, Sure, to be sure. able to bring the playoff win. And of course, all that went into it, um, that, that those last games in the 2020 season down the stretch, three touchdowns, two interceptions, um, the turning point in that Cincinnati game to get us to the playoffs, the Maserati, as you mentioned, um, <laughs> and then everything that just went right. But that playoff win, there's so much credit that has to go to him. Uh, and then third is actually a specific play. A specific throw his his rookie year um, against the Carolina Panthers. Actually, I don't know if you guys remember what I'm talking about about, but that he just absolutely threaded the needle in a shot to Jarvis Landry yeah. in the end yeah. and just threaded it between what felt like all 11 men on the defense. Um, one of the best throws that I have personally ever seen uh, by Baker Mayfield, but secondly by anybody. One of the best throws that I have ever seen. You know, the highs were so high with Baker. They were so high. When it was good, it was fantastic. But when it was bad, it was terrible. Um, and ultimately, you know, I think if you look at the landscape of the National Football League, Dustin, it you have to – you're either – you have an elite quarterback or you don't. You're either all in for the Super Bowl or you're not. You are trying to get Jay Stroud. You're trying to get Bryce, uh, Bryce Young. You're trying to – get to there, but you're not quite there yet. Um, so I think it was mutually beneficial here. All parties get a clean slate. Uh, and of course we wish him the best, but any, any closing thoughts before we move on Dustin on that? No, you're pretty close. I, you know, you're right. That play to Jarvis was like something out of a movie, the way he yeah. threw that. Um, Cause everybody's like, wait, well, Oh, nope. It's in, you know, it was in his hands and I think it was crazy play. So no, you're pretty close there. Um, just one thing you brought up about, um, the whole atmosphere change and what happened in that game. Yeah. I just, the, the point about the Jets game, if you were a fan of any other team, you, the way the Browns reacted to that, you would have thought the Browns won the Super Bowl. That's how <laughs> bad, the, I mean, seriously, that's how bad the losing was on the other pendulum of that. It, the, the momentum to shift that culture was so down in the, dirt like the you know what i mean so if you were there i have a, a few friends and they were like you would have thought they won the super bowl the way the people left that stadium that night that they had just won everything so yeah it's a really good point and you know when we were when we were down at duties when we were in beaver creek and, and talking to uncle Vinny down there and, <laughs> oh, you know, he, was, and he, he was saying 
that they were there the night um, or the day Christmas Eve when they beat the Chargers, the one in 15 season. And in that moment, it was like the Browns had won the Super Bowl. And he was like the only one in the bar that was even remotely paying attention to the game because at that point, everybody was so checked out. It didn't matter. It's a holiday. Who, you know, who gives a damn? Um, <laughs> right. Those those wins were so sparse. They were so few and far between. Hung on and the Pope was everything to us. Yeah, we hung on to that. Like we can't go zero and sixteen. We can't be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of an zero and like we don't want that attached to us, right? So, yeah. So, but you know what's funny? It's crazy for me to think, Allie. Like we look now, and I look at all the years, and you're like, for you personally. You know nothing but the 99 Browns and all, right? So, I mean, you have suffered terrible years of football, right? Just in general. So to see that change, that dynamic shift, right? To go from, wait, we can win seven, eight, nine, ten games? What? Like from three to four or one or two or zero? Like that's a, such a big shift from decades, you know, of that kind of poor play and stuff. So, yeah, I just think it's interesting how that all transpired so on that same note you know i think that as we gear up towards training camp you know we we kind of have a good feel about any any more off-season moves if there's going to be any free agents or any trades or anything like that like for today for example Nikhil harry went to chicago for a seventh round pick um you know he was a former first round pick for the new england patriots goes to chicago for a seventh rounder um you know there's still some things happening but ultimately what now with Jimmy Garoppolo? He's he's that last quarterback piece. You know what happens to him? Um. Yeah, I mean, you... I mean, let's let's play a little speculation here. Like, where, where? First, two questions here. One, where's the good landing spot for Jimmy Garoppolo? That's a question in itself. Mm-hmm. Secondly, where do you think he ultimately ends up? Because that's a completely different situation. Because where Baker would have, you know, you would ask me where's the best spot for Baker. I probably wouldn't have said the Carolina Panthers. I think that there's other said, yeah. better spots for him. Yeah. But that's where he ended up. So where do you think the best spot is for Jimmy? And where do you think he ends up? I think there is – I'm just going to say this out loud – I don't think there's any good landing spots for Jimmy Garoppolo as of today. And what I mean by that is no team is going to go out and make that reach for him. I think it's going to take an injury or something in training camp or some dynamic kind of shift for a football team where they go ring, ring. Hello, San Francisco is Jimmy Garoppolo because of the contract, right? Is how much is he owed this year? Um, I don't it's know. It's a lot, right? Isn't it like, Close to what Baker was owed, I mean, or more. Or I think so. it's more, yeah. Let me yeah. Look. So my point is, I don't think anybody's willing to take that because a he's going to want to be a starter, right? Like, would he go to the rival Seahawks? Mm-hmm. I don't think the Niners allow that, right? Like, I just don't think, like, well, you know, the, I mean, everybody's got a price, right? But, yeah, anybody, but I'm, I'm saying, like, here's a guy that took you to an NFC Championship game, and you're going to put him up. Listen to this though: the last two seasons that Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy. He took the team to the Super Bowl and to the NFC Championship yes. game. Yes. The last two seasons that he was healthy, that is where he went. Right. That's which, where he took the team. Which, like, I'm surprised another team hasn't pulled the trigger on that, right? Like, which goes to my previous point of the landscape of the NFL. Like, like, there's so many teams right now that you either have an elite quarterback or you don't. Teams do not want those mid-level guys, and I'm going to throw Jimmy Garoppolo into the sure. mix. 
the Jimmy Garoppolo's, Matt Ryan's, Ryan Tannehill's, Kirk Cousins, because they're too good. Uh, Baker Mayfield, they're too good to keep you from tanking, but they're not good enough to win you a Super Bowl. Right. And right. you're either all in or you're all out. Now, I'm not saying that teams don't want them because I'm sure if like some of those guys would hit the market, you know, it'd probably be different. But at a certain salary point, and you know, given certain situations, given the roster, yeah. given injuries, given everything, you know, if Jimmy Garoppolo goes to Seattle and wins upwards of five games, that takes them probably out of the CJ Stroud, Bryce Young sweepstakes. And that's probably what they want. Because what's yeah. what's the shelf life of Jimmy Garoppolo over the next five to ten years? Well, and now we all watched that Super Bowl. The Niners had the Chiefs beat yes. late into the third and fourth quarter with some different aggressive play calling, possibly by Mr. Shanahan. We may be talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, the Super Bowl champion, right? Like, I mean, let's let's talk about that. Yes. I mean, I mean, that's yeah. how close this guy has been on the door of knocking on winning it, right? So it just blows me away that like. Baker gets Carolina, right? Like, why didn't Carolina just say, look, Sam, this is not a quarterback competition. We're bringing in Jimmy. Because I think Jimmy gives Carolina a much better chance of winning, right? Like, he's got the experience, been to a Super Bowl, multiple playoff games. Has but been it, but against- you have to ask yourself, I mean, because taking into consideration, too, um, you know, the, the contract. Baker, you know, it only cost them $5 million, you know, Jimmy – Way more expensive, $26 million in dead cap hit of a, a one and a half. Um, taking a look at that in the contract situation, it's just not viable. Right. Um, Baker to go there, it literally cost them nothing. The fifth round pick is essentially, it, it's very low value in terms of draft capital. Yeah. Um, bring in a former number one overall quarterback to make that happen. Um, so for them, it's like taking a flyer. And he's 20, what, 26? It's taking a flyer on a guy like that and giving him another another opportunity. Not that this is not to say that this is the ultimate home for Baker Mayfield. After next year, he could be on to another team. You know, maybe there's there's somebody else out there. Um, but for Jimmy Garoppolo, he may be too good and take them out of the sweepstakes. But he doesn't have the shelf life. He doesn't have. I would say he doesn't have the upside that Baker does. Um, I, I think Jimmy is probably. I don't know. I think there's similar quarterbacks in their style of play, but uh, I, I think that Baker, he's got his age, he's got his his salary and uh, injury history on his side as opposed to Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, but I think but for someone like Baker Mayfield, I think he needs to ball out this year and really prove that he can be a part of the Carolina. Of course. If not, he'll be out of the out of the league. Well, that's what I'm saying. He'll be, be he'll be looking for backup roles or trying to compete yeah. on a team in the 25 to 32 roster of a, of a football team where there's those kind of rotating quarterbacks that aren't like solidifying jobs with teams. So I do believe though, that Baker Mayfield is one of the best 32 quarterbacks in this national football league. However, however, it comes down to who the NFL is right or what the NFL is right now and who they want to be And the landscape of it is this is an elite quarterback driven league. Um, this is an offensively driven league that could change in that. That could change in the next two years when the league decides, Hey, we're going to be all defense again. Um, yeah. because that's what the NFL does. It's a copycat league, but right now it's that that's the landscape. That's just the way that it is. Um, yeah. I was, yeah. It's kind of crazy. It I was is. just going to say, Allie, did you see any other NFL news over the weekend? Did, uh, 
across Twitter or anything? Did you see any Jets news? Uh, you know, it seems like Zach Wilson had an interesting, interesting weekend. Oh. Interesting <laughs> well, I don't know if it was the offseason, but at some point in his wonderful life, uh, uh, he got thrown under the bus. <laughs> Yeah, he. I mean, I mean, he kind of threw himself under the bus by allowing some. That was some good. That was I was like, hey, at least we don't have to deal with stuff like that. (laughs) I mean, don't even know that. I I mean, we're. I would say that we're dealing with far worse. Well, but I'm saying far worse, (laughs) significantly worse than that. I would take that. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that's true. That's (laughs) what. Okay, let's okay. That's a great segue into Deshaun updates. I think that's a great segue into Deshaun updates. Good God. Um, I I do think we're coming closer to closure on Deshaun, like on on a decision. So I think your point, I think that's gonna kind of do this now. at least I think that's gonna do this. But well, and here's the point too. We we've said time and time again, it anything you're hearing right now is all speculation. Nobody other than Sue L. Robinson has any inkling, inkling of what is going on in this case. Um, so ultimately, I do agree that this is going to, we'll hear something sooner rather than later. Uh, I, I think that that is probably on the cusp. But, you know, Dustin, anybody that's saying, yeah, I'm here in four games or I'm here in six games, no, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're not. That, that is all speculation. Yeah, I mean, there has been some interesting testimony come out that's been leaked. Yes. Um, which I think. Down, down to four, four women. Um, right, which I think. And then there was some other stuff from a son of one of the um, alleged. We'll use the word alleged because I think that's important to use that word. Um, so it'll be. Here's the thing, though. I think the briefs were had to be turned in yesterday to Sue Robinson. Is that right? And then mm-hmm. she will make a decision. They said she'll probably take at least a week, right, to kind of sift through stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't anticipate having an answer anytime this week. Until next week, I'm assuming. Correct, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. she's got a lot to review. Um, All sides kind of came together with with everything she's going to follow up on, ask those questions. Uh, Now this is that review period. So I would anticipate probably the next two-ish weeks, maybe we'll have some type of ruling. Um, And again, it is going to be what it is. Just a reminder on this. Let's just say, hypothetically here, that Sue Robinson comes back and says, no, I see nothing, zero gains. The NFL has zero ability correct, to, to overturn that. The because only, it has to be some kind of punishment. Correct. If, now, if they ha- if Sue Robinson says, well, we're going to give him three games, Roger Goodell and the NFL can say, no, we're going to overrule this, we're going to give him ten games. But if there is no punishment given by that third-party arbitrator, the NFL governing power has has no ability to do anything about that. They cannot overrule. Ultimately, can Roger Goodell pull some strings? It's entirely possible, uh, but per the CBA um, and and through the NFL and NFLPA, that would probably cause a huge rift uh, and be a huge situation. Lawsuits, I would imagine. Um, so, if there is no ruling or if there is no punishment given, um, nothing can be done. So, just keep that in your back pocket. Well, and also, let's keep in mind, um, you know, they could say, okay, it's six games and both parties could say, okay, Deshaun's team agrees, the NFL agrees, let's move on, let's, you know, move on. I, I believe that if it's if it's under, if it's eight or less games, uh, Deshaun Watson and his court probably will not uh, 
you know, rebuttal that at all. Uh, if it's anything more six, six or less, they'll leave it alone. Eight or less, I, I think that they okay. would just um, anything more north of that, probably. Yeah, because you're losing half a season, right? And then that's a whole other dynamic. And yeah, that's yeah. plays into a lot of things. Um, Alec, you know, a couple of people have asked, why are we on Tuesday night? Um, we probably should explain why we're not on we're a Tuesday versus Wednesday. Allie has graciously given me the night off tomorrow night uh, because she's nice like that because tomorrow's my birthday. So for everybody who's like, what are you guys doing here on a Tuesday night? It's because tomorrow just happens to be my birthday and we're going to take the night off. So, so uh, everybody do us a favor and we wish Dustin a happy birthday. Um, but yes, we will not be on tomorrow. Uh, so we are hopping on tonight. It will not be a doubleheader. It will not be a two-header. I do not have the energy <laughs> to be doing that. Allie, uh, full disclosure, and Allie will be driving back to the, the Dirty Myrtle tomorrow, yeah. I believe, right? So, I yes. mean, you're going to, yeah. So, she, her and Birdie have a nice long uh, trek back to the Yeah, and I do not enjoy um, having to talk behind a microphone after a long day of travel. Not exactly my favorite thing to do. No. Dustin, why don't you tell our listeners about some Cleveland whiskey? So, First and foremost, a couple uh, quick shout out. Uh, Angelo's Pizza, thank you for obviously bringing some donations to the golf outing. That was very nice. Those were well received. Um, and thanks to, you know, Rebecca and her folks down at Cleveland Whiskey. They were so nice to do samples at the golf outing. A lot of people had tried peanut butter, chocolate, magic rabbit for the first time. Uh, they had the bourbon whiskey finished with the black cherry wood. I think it was a hit, Allie. Everybody really enjoyed being able to have them there. They were there Friday night and Saturday. But if you don't have Cleveland Whiskey in your town, if you're in Ohio or a different state, go to clevelandwhiskey.com, find it, or if not, go to your local Ohio liquor store. It is good stuff. It absolutely is. I had it for the first time uh, this past weekend, and it was quite good. You, like the, you, like, you liked the peanut butter chocolate, didn't you? Yeah, I really did. It was very good. It was very good. Highly recommend um, Dustin, the OBR, the Orange and Brown Report, uh, they do great, great stuff. Uh, 247sports.com, the OBR. I love listening to them. I, I, I really cannot say enough about uh, some of the stuff that they put out. Um, but they put out their best, or excuse me, their worst draft picks for each team of the 2010s. Uh, I just want to run through this. I want to go over, of course, ours. You get you get the worst one, and then you get an honorable mention, or as they put a dishonorable mention, um, and then you can you know let's run through our our division rivals as well. Um, any any thoughts on who could be number one here for for us? <laughs> on the twenty tens. Twenty tens, yeah. Worst Cleveland I bought his stupid jersey and and bought into the hype of the. Yeah, Johnny Menzel. I, that's the yes. worst. Yeah, that's the worst. And I can't even believe I can't even believe I did that because I'm just encouraging his behavior. In but. that in that draft, the Cleveland Browns passed on Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr, and Jimmy Garoppolo, and you the 22nd overall draft pick on Johnny Manziel. We all bought into the hype. It was terrible. But yes, he is far and away the worst draft pick. I, like I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> um, do you know who the runner-up is according to them? Let, oh, let me give you a hint. Let me give you a hint. It's the same draft. Trent Richardson? That's a good one. That's a good one. But no, in that same draft. I'd go Trent uh, Richardson just because we had to end up. And by the way, we actually ended up getting a good. I mean, we ended up getting at least something good out of the trade. But yeah, I think Trent Richardson was. Yeah. Great. Yeah. But uh, you could also throw Justin Gilbert there into the mix as well. Yeah. That one was 
pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, let's turn it over to our division rivals. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, their worst draft pick came in the 2015 NFL draft, the 21st overall pick, Cedric Ogbehi. Um, hopefully I'm not The fact that I don't remember that name says a lot. Well, this one, a dishonorable mention, John Ross. I think we can all yeah. remember, remember him. Yeah. Let me head on up to Baltimore. Uh, their worst one is Prashad Perriman, Browns fan. You probably remember that yeah. name. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, he, yeah, he was. He actually had a couple good catches. I mean, no, a couple. I mean, he was he was great in 2018 for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Um, this honorable mention, Sergio Kindle. Let me head all the way down to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, <laughs> and from there, Dustin, I want to, I want to take a look. Uh, the goal of this podcast tonight is I really want to kind of take a look, a deep dive into Andrew Barry's draft class. I want to spend some time on the 2020 draft. Where is the Pittsburgh Steelers? Hang on. Um, and I want to spend some time there taking a look at Andrew Barry's draft picks, how he how he's done over the past couple of years. We all think he's done pretty well, but I want to, I want to do a little bit of a dive, and then we'll redraft the 2020 draft. Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers, their worst draft pick um, is Jarvis Jones, the infamous 17th oh, yeah. pick yep. in the 2013 draft. And uh, I don't believe they have a dishonorable mention there for, for them. But um, nonetheless, I think it's really interesting. You know, there have been so many, so many terrible drafts by the Cleveland Browns um, since the return. And, I mean, I think we just named three of the worst, Justin Gilbert, Johnny Manziel, Trent Richards. And those are, like, so bad. <laughs> but well, they, I, And then John Dorsey came in and it started shifting, kind of, it seemed like. Right. Well, and I don't really want to spend time on John Dorsey's draft because that's said and done. But Andrew Barry still at the helm. And what's interesting is he has never cut one of his draft picks. Uh, so I want to spend some time here. We'll go through uh, each of his past three drafts, taking a look at them. Uh, and then we'll kind of dive into, you know, just our thoughts on some of those players. But taking a look at the 2020 NFL draft as it pertains to the Cleveland Browns, the 10th overall selection, they go Dedrick Wills. They get Grant Delpit there at 44, uh, which was a steal. Jordan Elliott in the third round. Jacob Phillips in the third round. The fourth round, they grab Harrison Bryant, Nick Harris, and then Donovan Peoples-Jones. Dustin, before we move on to 2021. Um, pretty, pretty good draft. I mean, This is one of my favorite drafts so yeah. far by Andrew Berry. I, I think there is tremendous value um, almost at, at every selection. I mean, if you look at – let's go through these. Jedrick Wills, starter. Grant Elpit, starter. Jordan Elliott, not so much. Jacob Phillips, uh, you know, starter slash, slash rotation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hopefully, you know, he can he can stay healthy. That's been his biggest downfall. Um, not a talent situation. It's an injury situation. Harrison Bryant, starter. Nick Harris, starter. Donovan Peoples-Jones, starter. Yeah, it's crazy, right? That Well, I mean, that doesn't happen, right? That just doesn't happen that 80 90% of your entire draft ends up having positions – not because of need, just because of talent, right? Like, I don't see this from a – because the Browns could get, you know, but they actually rose to the level of, hey, this guy can make it in the National Football League and be a starter consistently. So you're right. This draft alone, um, I think Andrew looks back at this one very proudly and go and, – and they always say you can't hit on every one of them, but you came damn close here, Andrew, yeah. on this one. <laughs> He did. And, you know, typically it does take two to three, maybe four years for for – you can before you can look back and say, well, that was a successful draft. But I right. think pretty comfortably we can look back at the development of the 2020 guys and say, yeah, I would feel comfortable saying 
north of 85% of those guys are either going to be rotational pieces or starters, high level contributors for a very talented Cleveland Browns team. Yeah. Um, um, Yeah. It's, I I just, it blows. Well, it it goes to football in general, the national football league. If you can hit on some of your draft picks, there's so much parity in this league that you can turn around and be a successful team. But when the Browns sucked at drafting for so many years, you suck at winning games, right? Like it has a correlation. You can't turn over and, you know, and make a great roster if you're not hitting on your draft picks. And it just goes to show you when you have somebody in there that's a good talent evaluator and sees value at every position. Again, like I feel really good about this draft this year, even though we didn't have picks at the top, I feel good where Andrew got value. So all about value. Taking a look at the 2021 guys, feel really good about some of these too. Greg Newsom, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, Anthony Schwartz, James Hudson, Tommy Togiai, Tony Fields, Richard LeCount, and then Demetri Felton. Roll through these. Greg Newsom, starter. JOK, starter. Anthony Schwartz. In that rotation, you know, yeah. this is going to be the make or break or a breakout year, hopefully. James okay. Hudson, rotational contributor type, an injury type of swing player type of guy. Tommy Togiai really needs to produce uh, to be able to contri- contribute here. Tony Fields in that same boat. Richard LeCount in that same boat. And Demetri Felton, who had some good looks. Uh, you feel decent about him. You know, he's gonna he's certainly going to compete for a roster spot. But um, I think, you know, the top of that draft, being able to grab Greg Newsom and Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, and I'm going to throw Anthony Schwartz into the mix as well, um, to have your first three picks being so top-heavy with some, some very, very, very top-tier talent. Um, and then, of course, you get value throughout. But ultimately, Dustin, I think that this was an, another – home run type of draft uh, still yet to be seen on some of those other pieces like a Tommy Togi, I, you know, Tony Fields, Rich LeCount. Um, this is going to be a big year for them, but in their second year, you know, this is kind of the development process. We've seen a couple of years of the 2020 guys. Now we're going to see uh, how these guys can do. Question uh, that I'd like to ask you specifically in that draft. Yeah. Do you see Schwartz having a larger role in the wide receiver space and maybe expanding the offense to make him a bigger part of that this year because of, you know, our change in the offseason with special teams and him maybe being pulled out of that and getting more looks at wide receiver. Cause I kind of yeah, see. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. The fact that they didn't go out and, and bring in a, a top tier free agent outside of Amari Cooper, uh, that was a trade of course, but like to go out and get somebody else, uh, while there were conversations of doing so, that that didn't happen. You're rolling out with a lot of these same guys. Of course, you bring in David Bell, um, but he is that make or break type of guy. The the wide receiver room, in, in a way, it does kind of depend on the development of Anthony Schwartz. Yeah, he can either take them to the next level, and and you have all of the pieces there. You don't need an emphasis on receiver going into next year's offseason and draft. Uh, but if he doesn't take that step. That is going to be a massive area of concern. Right. So, and, then, and then you're hoping someone like David Bell, you know, obviously raises to the occasion. In, in, in a different role, in an entirely different role. But of course, he, he, you know, he he shapes the way that this offense is going to be run. His his development is key here. If he can contribute and do it in a big way, um, that will absolutely shape the way that this receiving room is, is dealt with and run. Um, but if he doesn't, it's going to be a huge area of concern next year. Absolutely. Well, well, yeah, and I always think speed kills, right? It's, it kills defenses, right? So my thought was, if you have a Deshaun Watson type of suspension, you have Jacoby in there, does Anthony, you know, help Jacoby? You know what I mean? 
actually well, I mean, all, all of the weapons will help anybody yeah. that's out there but but playing receiver is more than running in a straight line right uh, but i'm yeah. just thinking like from a like i guess where my mindset was going is he will help improvise out there with his speed and help you know lift that offense to where it needs a little more ump with somebody that's not as dynamic at court. Well, he hasn't quite shown that yet, right? But he that's what I'm saying. To the next level, he needs to get there to show that dynamic. Sure. I mean, he, he hasn't quite shown that he can improvise. Uh, but, yeah. but too, that's that's really not who Jacoby Brissett is. Um, yeah. he, he is athletic. He does have the, the dynamic playmaking ability to a certain extent, but he's a pocket passer. Um, you know, he's not Lamar Jackson. That's, that's not who this yeah. quarterback is. Um, but Anthony Schwartz, you know, he – he, while he's quick, I wouldn't necessarily say he's elusive yet. Uh, I think that, that could potentially be a learned skill, uh, but certainly the Browns offense and the Browns receiving room is depending on the development of Anthony Schwartz, 100%. Yeah, I think for me, I, uh, when we go and look at training camp, I think I'm going to keep my eye on Anthony, you know, to see what kind of looks he's getting in training camp and how they're utilizing him. I think it'll be an interesting one to watch the whole development of all those wide receivers. And here's the truth. We need, you know, to see some more development from Harrison Bryant, right? We need to see him kind of lift his game a little bit too and be that guy um, that we all want him to be. That's you well, know. Part, part of that is um, Harrison Bryant. It's not a lack of, can he do it? Cause he's shown consistently that he can uh, from a talent perspective. He, he can make the catches. He can, he can block, he can kind of do it all. It's, it was more of an opportunity situation for him. Sure. Uh, and now with Austin Hooper out, you know, he, him being the compliment to David Njoku. It's I think more looks. Him, it's yeah, I, I think um, I wouldn't necessarily put him in a prove it type of situation because I think he has done that in a, in a big way. Uh, but I think just getting more looks is going to be crucial for him and his success. Good point. Whether it is sophisticated suburban living, luxury downtown digs, or senior housing, K&D, the largest property management company in Northeast Ohio has the perfect home for everyone. KD is your one-stop shop for housing in the region with apartments and amenities for everyone, including residential, commercial, retail, and corporate housing. Find your dream home at KD. Visit KD.com to get started. That's the letter K, the word and the letter D.com. Dustin, as I mentioned, uh, Andrew Berry has yet to cut one of his draft picks. Um, who do you think could potentially be that, that first player? Well, looking at the 2020 draft specifically, um, you know, Jordan Elliott, obviously he's a rotational type of guy. Uh, Jacob Phillips, like you said, keeping him healthy on the field is always bet that. It's tough for me because also linebacker is one of the more weaker links on the defense, right? So you do need some depth there. If I had to choose between Jordan Elliott and Jacob Phillips, I would say – Phillips in that conversation? Well, I'm just saying because of injury, but I'm saying I would probably lean more Jordan Elliott because I'm saying we, we were. Why do you have Jacob Phillips in that conversation at all? You would you would you would take Jacob Phillips over Tony or Tony Fields over Jacob Phillips? Well, I do like Tony Fields as a player, but I'm just saying I don't think he would get cut because we we need depth there and it's a need on our team. I think Jordan Elliott. I'm saying of those, I would go more Jordan Elliott is who I pick. I'm not taking Jacob. That's Phillips. fine. That's fine. And yeah. and I don't disagree with you, but the fact that you have Jacob Phillips remotely in the conversation of being cut is astounding to me. Why, why is that? Can you walk me through that? Well, I just, cause is it, cause he's out of injuries. And like, I always look at these guys and you have JOK, right. And some of these other guys. And I think, you know, 
there's a lot of talent on this team, right? I mean, there's a lot of talent and, you know, there's going to be some odd men out, but again, there's, it's, it's the line, you know, it's, that's just my gut, but. Maybe you should go to the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Don't listen to your gut then. Um, Look, no, I, I I love Jacob Phillips. I I think that, um, I mean, he was, led the sec in in tackles i i mean the kids kids great of course it has been um it has been a an injury prone career for him so far uh but i mean overall i think that he's the player that could potentially be uh you know a green dot guy going into this season you know i think that he's absolutely a guy that could that could be your middle linebacker that's that's calling the plays on the defense. He's that kind of guy. I think he's got that instinct. Uh, it's just a matter yeah, but I'm of saying if, if he can stay healthy, that's because, I mean, you're right. He, because of that is my only worry. So because you, that's probably more than anything. Okay. Um, I don't disagree uh, with Jordan Elliott. It's, it just hasn't been there with him. Um, and it really hasn't been injury prone. It's just been a, a lack of production from him. I mean, if you look at his, uh, his total tackles, um, he's got 38 total in the past two years, 13 solo, uh, 25 assisted, and half of a sack. So you, you need him to step up in a big way as a defensive lineman. You have to have that. Uh, I think he's on that list. I think Rich LeCount could be on that list, and I think Tony Fields could be on that list as well. Um, I think that it would likely be a defensive player that would be first to be cut. And I think another thing that we need to, to – consider is talented players are going to get cut. I mean, that's just kind of the, the wheel of the world in a talented and talented roster that's going to happen. But uh, yeah. I, I look at some of those guys that just haven't yet contributed. Yeah. I just, it, it's crazy to me. We're having that conversation about, because some of these guys are so close, you know what I'm saying? Like the talent level is really close on some of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I have a hard time just, just, you know, discerning like, okay, these guys are really close. Who do you cut? Right. Like, obviously there's probably 80% of the players you can look at and go, mm, they're going to make the roster. But then like that 20% that you start shaving off and shaving off, you get down to like, like, you know, like yeah, almost can they do more things based on the defenses you're putting out there? I mean, it's going to be interesting. I don't know. I just, it, it always, intrigues me when you get down to those final roster cuts like the very 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 last roster cuts like all right let's let's go let's go rapid fire on these uh what is your favorite andrew berry pick in, in any of his drafts my favorite andrew berry pick you know i do like i like grant delpit i like grant delpit okay I do like Grant Delpit um, just because I like his versatility. I like him as a player. I think he's got more upside still. Like I haven't seen the top of Grant Delpit. Um, that's probably one for me. Okay. So far. Um, uh, I, I went with um, our two guys from last year, Greg Newsom, Jeremiah Usukoromoa. Uh, be able to pick that talent uh, with, with your first two picks in the draft, I, I think are just yeah. awesome. Um, and to be able to get JOK there in the second round, those are my two favorite. Uh, I think the two best picks that he's made so far, still a lot to be seen, right? They're going into their second year here. So you know, still a lot yet to be seen, um, yeah. but, but so far based off of their rookie season, I love what those guys bring to the table. Uh, what would you consider your the worst pick by Andrew Berry? 
Well, I would say probably. Ugh. God, that's a tough one. I don't. God, what would be his worst pick? That's a tough. I'm trying to think like a guy that just stands out like his worst pick. Yeah, who you have? I mean, I would say Jordan Elliott just because he hasn't really stepped up. Well, yeah, I'm going to go Jordan Elliott because he was drafted in the third round, right? Like typically a third round player, you hope he's going to start consistently, at least at least at the position he's in. So I might go Jordan Elliott just because of where he's at and what he should be doing. Like I look at Harrison Bryant, you know, we got him later, but he rotates quite a bit in the starting position there. So I'm going to go Jordan Elliott. I, I don't disagree with you. I'd probably put Jordan Elliott here too. I think it's a talk between him and Tony Fields. Um, I, I just don't see it there with those guys. Uh, what A lot to be seen this season, but those two are, are probably my least favorite. I think some of the worst picks. Uh, best value pick. Who's the best value um, that Andrew Barry is in these, these three? That, that's packs? easy. That, that's, that's an easy one for me, Donovan Peoples-Jones. To be able to get a, a six-round wide receiver – that have that type of production and win the type of games that he did for you on just some of the catches and plays he made from a six round position. Yeah. Uh, DPJ to me stands out far and above. That was a value, value, value pick for, for Andrew Barry. I have the exact same answer for the exact same reason. Uh, a couple dark horse ones that I threw in there. I, I thought Nick Harris was a pretty good value. Uh, you essentially oh, get him for yeah. uh, trading back in, in there in the fifth round, you're able to acquire him. Um, he's a starter for you. Yeah. I, I think, that's that's great value, um, and DPJ is the obvious one here. Uh, and the last last question I have here before we do our, our redraft is: um, you can have as many as you want here, or as few. Sure. But who do you think is most likely to become a Pro Bowler in these these draft classes? Out of all of them, you can have as many as you want. I've got several listed. You're talking to Andrew Barry's picks, right? In general, specifically, kind of. Um, I think JOK has the potential at some point to be a pro bowler, uh, just because I think he could leap to the next level this year. Uh, let's see who else could be a pro bowler. Um, yeah, I think him. Nick Harris. I mean, is that weird to say Nick Harris could be a pro bowler? I, mean, I don't think it. Yeah, I mean, just because those positions, if you play it well and you're consistent, your colleagues, you know, and, and your peers respect you so nick harris could be in there um yeah i'll give it let me let me read mine off um i went jay okay i think he's far mm -hmm. away you know he could do it uh yeah. great newsome uh, i threw harrison bryant into this this mix as well okay. given the opportunity it's entirely possible sure so that's what i had uh had a lot of fun rolling through these i, I like to look back i think andrew barry's just done a, a great job in drafting um and not just the andrew barry the scouting department everything everybody that's involved in that it's, it's just great and uh of course the development of these players um to to see the talent be able to draft it it's it's pretty remarkable that they're able to do that uh, but if you're buying or selling a home and you need someone who can walk you through that process everybody that person for you is katie klanowski out of berkshire hathaway take it from me buying a home is an incredibly stressful time Make sure you have someone who can make that process simpler. Give Katie a call today. Another thing that I thought was really fun, and you really can't do this until you're a few years out, but uh, <laughs> we've seen the 2020 guys play a few years. Uh, I wanted to do an NFL redraft. We're only going to do the top 10. Okay. Uh, knowing what we know now, if we could redraft the top 10 of the 2020 draft, who would we pick and why? 
Um, I'm just going to read these off of what they currently are, and then we'll do ours, Dustin. Okay. Uh, the order went Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Andrew Thomas, Tua Tungavailoa, Justin Herbert, Derek Brown, Isaiah Simmons, C.J. Henderson, and then, of course, Jedrick Wills to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, so, Dustin, we're going to go through ours, and uh, I'm going to let you kick it off. Here at Cincinnati, they have the first overall pick. Who you got? I don't think you redraft here. They got it yep. right. They stick with it. Joe Burrow was the guy. Um, yeah, you don't mess with that. I think that was – I mean, they got – they hit it on – yeah, I wouldn't – you don't redraft. I wouldn't, touch it. Yep, I wouldn't touch it. This is far and away the best pick. Uh, he takes you to the Super Bowl. Uh, he's got it. He's got the it factor. He's got the talent. He's he's elusive in the pocket. Great pocket presence. Uh, Joe Burrow remains the number one overall pick on my on my board as well. This is where it can go anywhere. Um, who you got at number two? This is the Washington Football Team, Washington Commanders. Now, who you taking at number two overall? You'd have to make. They'd have to be a well-run football team, but <laughs> they're not. Uh, but you would take Justin Herbert here clearly at number two because. The amount of touchdowns in his game and the level of play, he's an elite quarterback. I, I mean, I'll, I'm going to put it out there. He's an elite quarterback, in my opinion. He is in the top seven or eight. You know, there's debate, but he is an elite quarterback. And I completely year. agree. I completely agree. I love Justin Herbert. And, I mean, if it were any other draft, he's going number one overall. Easy. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you got Joe Burrow there, and eh, probably not putting him against up against him. But from a talent perspective, he's got everything you want. Um, and, and really, we're not making these selections based off of the organization and what they've done. It's just, you know, kind of ranking these guys. You could have a crystal ball and look into the future. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're Washington, who needed a quarterback at the time, <laughs> uh, you'd go Justin Herbert in this draft. So I think that's that's the way that goes. Number three, we've got the Detroit Lions up. They took Jeff Okuda in the 2020 draft. I did not have him here. Who did you take for the Detroit Lions? Well, you may have not had a quarterback traded out of Detroit to L.A. Rams if they did this with wide receiver Justin Jefferson to match him up and give him some quality offensive firepower. That's who I would have taken. I have the same thing. Um, I think that this is kind of the obvious one, and you give him a weapon there. Uh, look, I like Jeff Okuda. Uh, he's just battled some injuries. It really hasn't panned out. I, I still think that he can be a top – top 10 corner in this league once he gets back healthy. Uh, but I think Justin Jefferson is that guy. He brings everything you need to the table, and that pairing with Matt Stafford would, would have been a thing of beauty. Uh, number four overall, the New York football giants. They took Andrew Thomas, which at the time was quite a shock to me uh, because I had him really at number four on my offensive line ranks or offensive tackle ranks. Um here, I ended up going with Tristan Wirfs. They, they, needed to tackle. Um, they, they needed, they needed to set up their offensive line. I went Tristan Wirfs to the New York football Giants. That's who I had, too. I mean, okay. that was clearly the better tackle in that situation. Yep. Uh, Miami, they took to a ton of Iowa here. Uh, I am not going to, to choose him. Um, I, I don't think that uh, he'd probably go in the top five if he were to redraft, knowing what we know now. Uh, but this guy falls, and, you know, they need pass rush. I go Chase Young to the Miami Dolphins. I had Chase Young as well. He's All right. He's well, this is boring. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I mean, he's just phenomenal, right? I mean, and they need defensive help, so. Yeah. All right. Who you got with the Chargers? I think this is where it can get a little hairy. Okay. With the Chargers, obviously, um, they have the original pick of Justin Herbert. 
I don't, I don't think they changed. I, you know, like. Well, you already took Justin Herbert. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. So let me let me think about this. They yeah, need, I mean, he's already off the board. He's he they, went to, they, to Washington. They, uh, they need defensive help they should have maybe taken a corner then maybe aj terrell maybe at this point that's maybe who i would have looked at from a corner position because that's their that's their weak link right they're they're, they're great at offense but they give up a crap ton of points so i'd go with the corner okay uh, i went with makai becton here um i i really liked makai coming out of uh, louisville back in 2020 um, i had him as my number two tackle in this draft um they needed help uh, they needed a quarterback. They don't get him here, uh, but I think they solidify that offensive line. Maybe they can address that in free agency, what have you. I went with Mackay Becton. Okay. Number seven, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, their original pick was Derek Brown, the defensive tackle out of Auburn. Dustin, who'd you take here? Again, not bad for them to be thinking defense, but I went with safety Antoine Winfield here. Mm-hmm. Um, just dynamic player. That's who I would have went with this situation. Yeah, I actually went AJ Terrell here, uh, staying there in Carolina. Um, you know, I, I like them. I think that they needed corner help as well. This obviously would have been, um, you know, pre-JC Horn, uh, pre some of those guys. So, you know, at that time they would have needed that help. I went AJ Terrell. Uh, Cardinals, they went with who I loved out of Clemson, Isaiah Simmons, uh, the hybrid linebacker safety type, just insane athlete. Um, who do you have the Carolina Cardinals? Or excuse me. Well, this me. is where I think Carolina Cardinals taking. Right. I think if you would look at the draft, like you said, in a crystal ball forward, what the team's needs were, I would go with someone like wide receiver CeeDee Lamb here. Yeah. Um, okay. just because again, offensive power for that offense. And yeah, that's my, yeah. my guess. I went with I went with Antoine Winfield. Um, I loved him. I loved him. Uh, it was really a toss-up. Do you remain with Isaiah Simmons? Do you remain or do you take Antoine Winfield? Giving Antoine the nod here, I think he he was able to produce a little bit more um, in that back end of that defense. Therefore, uh, for Tampa, I think he would have done great things. Um, given now, currently, the pass rush there in, in Arizona, I think he would have been a pretty good fit. Um, number nine, the Jacksonville Jaguars, their original pick, C.J. Henderson, the cornerback out of Florida. Mm-hmm. Dustin, who you have them taken? Again, this team needs a lot of firepower on offense. I think it's where the wide receivers would have started coming out the board. I would have went with uh, wide receiver T. Higgins here. Okay. Yeah, I went with C.D. Lamb. Um, this is oh, so I... you just had him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then what do you have Cleveland doing? <laughs> I went back and forth on this. Like, I like Jedrick Wills, but Andrew Thomas is really good. What? The tackle. Andrew I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's just my my gut, but uh, I would probably stick with uh, Jedrick Wills here. So I was gonna say, you 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 were considering putting Andrew Thomas here in in for for Jed. Um, no, I, I didn't have a shadow of a doubt here. I still think that Jed Jed's got a lot. Um, battled injuries, has battled inconsistency, has battled, frankly, bad quarterback play. Um, it, it hasn't been an ideal situation for Jed. Well, injuries, uh, I, injuries yeah. Right. As yeah, it's like I said, I, I think that you know he's he's had a lot to deal with. Um, the angle last year was just terrible. Uh, but reminder, he was a right tackle at Alabama. He was a right tackle his whole life, switches to left tackle in the National Football League. That's no easy feat. That's um, not no. 
you know, to be able to do that and really going into his third season here, you know, there's a lot of things to like with him. Um, and I, I would have taken him all day, um, pretty much regardless outside of Tristan Wirfs. I, I think I would have uh, not have had another uh, attack will go into Cleveland here. Well, you know, looking back in the crystal ball, what kind of football team do you think the commanders would be with like Justin Herbert? I mean, do you think they would have ruined him? I guess, as, you know, you, no, that was- no. I mean, not a talent like that. Look, I, I think back in, in what was this 2020, um, they still had a lot of good things. Like they still were a decent team. They, I mean, they made the playoffs in 2021. So they defensively driven. They had, they had some guys they needed a quarterback. And if you can get the quarterback right, everything seems to fall into place. Now, I don't think they would have ruined him. Now, do I think that it would have been as good of a situation that he's currently in? No, probably. Of course not. Like, of course not. You know, he's got Austin Eckler. He's got Mike Williams. He's, he's got some massive talent there in, in L.A. Perfect situation for him. But I still think that they would have been much better off than where they currently are. Well, and I, and I, yeah, and I guess why I throw that out there, Allie, because you, you hear these people like, I told you I was a big Josh Allen fan. Like from day one, I liked him. And then everybody's like, well, the Browns would have ruined him. I'm like, would they have though? Like, I mean, like he's such a, you know, like he's such a good talent that developed into something pretty special. Like I always say, bad teams, great quarterbacks overcome bad teams, right? Like they just, I don't know that. Mm, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Of course, it's not a question of the talent, but. Look at the development from Josh Allen in Buffalo. I mean, taking a look at his development alone, not not even just the the raw talent, but what Buffalo has done for him, not what he's done for Buffalo. Sure. Uh, I don't think that that would have been the case in Cleveland. I don't think that Cleveland would have complimented him in the way that Buffalo does. Now, I'm not saying he wouldn't be good, and I'm not saying that you know we wouldn't be in a better situation than what we are because we probably would be. Um, but I, I do think that. It was just the right place, right time for him. And yeah. you know, he's had continuity. He's had structure. He's had everything that Baker didn't right. in England. He would have yeah. made it in, he wouldn't have. Yeah, I guess my question is if, you know, John Dorsey drafts Josh Allen, does he still make the trade for Odell Beckham Jr., right? And then Josh Allen develops that relationship with Odell. Odell never leaves. I mean, like, I look at things like that because could that have happened? I think yeah, yeah. 2020, right? Yeah. But, Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, yes, we probably would be in a better situation, I think. Um, but maybe not. Maybe not. Well, a but it's Cleveland, right? We always think the worst, too, right? Like, I always tell people, we always think the worst of, like, the bottom's going to fall. Like, like, oh, wait, this is great. When's it going to suck? Yeah. Uh, guys, if you don't have stadium mustard in your kitchen this season, you're doing it wrong. The iconic brand, the iconic taste, beloved from ballparks to backyards and everywhere in between. Stadium mustard is a smooth brown mustard, rich in taste and tradition. It's loved by millions. Head on over to stadiummustard.com to shop now. Dustin, any closing thoughts as we wrap up on a pre-birthday edition of the Here We Go Brownies podcast? I'm looking forward to having eight full hours of sleep tonight, hopefully, which will be amazing. <laughs> um, I wish you well because I know you're hitting the road tomorrow, so good travels for you uh, back to the Dirty Myrtle. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's I'm just looking forward to a nice, calm week. Um, and hopefully, you know, I have a nice birthday tomorrow, I guess. We <laughs> shall see. We shall see. We'll keep you posted if we hear anything. As always, yeah. thanks for joining. We appreciate all of you. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And as always, Browns fans, go Browns. Go Browns.